want to really encourage people to think that if they don't have to try to be good at 150 things every day, like that bike that's on fire, exactly as you said, if they get good at six things, six, what we'll call the six key components of every business, whether it's a nursing home, pizza shop, whatever it might be, because I'm just trying to show the contrast. I believe truly that by getting to the roots of the issues is ultimately what's going to really help everybody understand where they're struggling instead of keep putting band-aids and patches on everything. These six things are ultimately what's going to really help them. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I've been a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to another live recording of the Nursing Home Podcast, the podcast that brings you actionable and practical information that you can immediately implement in your healthcare facility. Today, we are going to discuss the greatest asset and the greatest liability in any organization and specifically in a nursing home organization or a senior care organization, a healthcare organization, and that is the people that make up the organization. All the people from the very top to every layer within the organization. And before we even get to some of the challenges and some of the problems, it is my absolute honor and pleasure to introduce today's guest to the Nursing Home Podcast. Today, we are honored to have Svi Schwartz on the Nursing Home Podcast. Svi is a certified EOS implementer. He is passionate about helping business owners run better businesses. Svi has had his own successful business for a number of years, has seen the challenges that exist in a business before implementing a system, has been enamored by watching it happen in his business, and is now helping other businesses be successful and reach the levels of success that he's seen himself personally, and is now reaching out and starting to branch further out specifically into our world. So we're lucky to have him focus on us for a moment. So before we go any further, Svi, welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that I have the opportunity to be here with you. This is kind of exciting, actually. It's uh, more than kind of exciting, super exciting to be able to talk about this. Just a word of introduction is that on this show, we try to keep it real, and it's more than fine to point out this. Some of the challenges, we're not here to beat around the bush. We're here pretty much to see things the way they are. So before we get too far, just my words of introduction, well, what did I mean, which was really paraphrasing a little bit what you said. I probably said it wrong. You got it right. Okay. So what does it mean that people are the are the biggest asset and the biggest liability or the biggest challenge, specifically in a nursing home structure? So, you know, to kind of tee that up, obviously the people in any organization, whether it's a nursing home or any, whether it's a pizza shop or a nursing home, it's the same thing. Every business runs on people. In theory, you could have great processes, you could have you know, great ideas and strategy, but ultimately it's the people who are the one who carry out all those ideas and kind of make everything happen. But it's not limited to the people. I just want to just kind of you know, take one step back before we focus on the people aspect. In any nursing home, since obviously that's some of the crowd that we're talking to today, administrators, owners, or any high-level manager of any kind on an average day are juggling 150 different things at the very minimum, trying to kind of keep all the balls in the air, touch everything, be everywhere, and make sure everything's kind of happening. As EOS, as a general understanding, 
a lot of what people do in their business is they're very often putting band-aids on things. Like, you know, they see an issue come up, they quickly put a little band-aid on it and they keep moving forward. And then they kind of wonder why do these same issues keep happening? Or why is it that I always feel like kind of reacting to everything as opposed to being proactive? I always feel like we're in emergency mode and the more busy we are, the crazier things get. Just doesn't seem to ever break. I'll just cut in there for one second. Someone posted on LinkedIn this week. Being a nursing home administrator is easy. It's like riding a bike that's on fire, through a fire. I don't know, a few more things that are on fire. It's it's totally true. I have a lot of friends that are owners in nursing homes, administrators, and so on, and, and in every level of business. That's the good thing. But to get to that point, the point is, and I want to really encourage people to think that if they don't have to try to be good at 150 things every day, like that bike that's on fire, exactly as you said, if they get good at six things, six, what we'll call the six key components of every business, whether it's a nursing home, pizza shop, whatever it might be, because I'm just trying to show the contrast. I believe truly that by getting to the roots of the issues is ultimately what's going to really help everybody understand where they're struggling instead of keep putting band-aids and patches on everything, these six things are ultimately what's going to really help them. One of them is the people component, a lot of what you just said, where how do we really know that we have the right people? How do we really deal and manage with those people? But on a high overview, I just want to kind of touch, there are actually six things. The six things are for every business. Number one is a concept, and, and you'll see why this really relates to the people. Okay. Number one is a vision. A vision, in a sense, every business needs to have a concept of who are we and where exactly are we going? Instead of just doing business every day, which people are very, very much working in the business, everybody in the business, but especially the owners, administrators, and the higher level need to start to think for a second and work on the business. They have to come out and breathe for a second and ask that question, where are we going with this? Obviously, we're a nursing home, we're doing business every day, but what is the vision of what we want this company to look like in a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever that is? I'll give an example that I think really illustrates this and why it's so important, and then I'll show you how it relates to the people. Imagine I gave you a puzzle, a 500-piece puzzle, a 1,000-piece puzzle, and I said, here, go ahead, do the puzzle, but I don't give you the cover to the box. I don't give you the picture. And I say, here, go ahead, just put the puzzle together. Mm -hmm. You're going to be like, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I'm sure you can find the corner pieces, but is it blue? Is it black? Is it a picture of a bird, a giraffe, a car? Like, I don't even know how to put this puzzle together. Having a vision for any business before you even bring people into the picture is a concept of this is what we want it to look like. This is the picture of what it's going to look like. When you know exactly what you want it to look like, only then can you start to put the pieces together and mimic what you see in the picture and make sure that you're leading your team towards where that's gonna go. So very often people are just doing things randomly in business, but they don't really have clear concept of where they wanna go with this. Now, obviously when you have a great vision of where you wanna go, then you're gonna need the great people. And here, let's touch on people for a moment, because I know that that's kind of where you were just touching and asking about. So a lot of people make this mistake and they just bring in people that they see they have a really good resume, they seem like they're gonna be a really good fit for whatever position they have in mind, and then they bring them in. 50% of the time it seems to be working well, 50% of the time they're like, what in the world is going on here? Why is this not working? And very often managers, owners, leaders, whatever you wanna call them, they end up they end up having to do a lot of the work for the people that are working with them because they just the people that they're working with don't seem to get it. I actually had a nursing home owner I was talking to the other day and I asked him, what is the number one issue you're struggling with? And he said, people, like, you know, how do we kind of get our people motivated? He said, I have a lot of union employees. And I asked him, like, do you get to choose the employees before they come in? He said, of course, we could choose who we want. So I wanna show you that there's actually two criteria that you should be thinking about. What really makes the right person for your, your business and what, what does it mean to really have a good connection with those people? And I explained to him, there's a big difference between motivation and inspiration. If you have to motivate people, he said, I have this thing where if they all show up for 30 days in a row without missing a day, I give them a $100 bonus. That's nice, 
it gets people motivated. But think about that logic. I'm just think logically. If you have to motivate people to do their job, that means you're probably dealing with the wrong people. They're not a good fit for your organization. Inspiration is when you're able to tell people something that they should believe in, something that something bigger than the money, something bigger. There's a vision. There's something bigger. There's a mission that we have over here. When you communicate something and you inspire people, you lead people. And very often we'll see leaders don't lead. It's the mission that leads. Give something people. There's a reason people want to join the army. There's a people why people want to join the Red Cross or Hatsala or become a volunteer firefighter. It's got nothing to do with money. People by nature are inspired to do certain things. Everybody's inspired to do different things. So the question is, what does it mean to be a good fit for your organization, the nursing home, the assisted living, wherever it is that you're, these people are working for? How do we really make sure? So there's two, these two criteria, what we call Jim Collins in the book, Good to Great, talks about this. And in the EOS, we, we definitely capitalize this. It's called two things. Right people and right seat. They're different things. Right person means that they are a good fit for your organization in the sense that they have the company's core values. People often gloss right over core values like, yeah, it's a nice idea. We should have core values. I want to explain why core values are so important. And I'll give you another example. Imagine you're traveling out of the country, whether it's to Italy, to Mexico, or Spain. Imagine you're traveling to a place where you don't speak the language, but you know, you're going to show up for a day, a week, you know, you could probably wing it as we'll say, you'll get by, you know, you probably learn a few words in the language of wherever it is, the culture that you're going to be joining. You know, you could kind of fake it for about a week or so and just, you know, figure out how to go. But if, if I were to leave you there and you weren't on a vacation, all of a sudden somehow, for whatever reason, you got dumped over there. Now you have to stay there. What's going to happen? You're going to end up feeling, you know, I don't belong here. I, I don't, I don't understand their culture. I don't eat the same food. I don't speak the same language. I don't believe in some of the things that these people believe in. And you're going to start to feel very, very disconnected. Now you're not, you're not a bad person. You're just not a good fit. Now imagine you're on a bus in that, that country, wherever you are. And all of a sudden, and we're speaking in a New York accent over here. Mm -hmm. You know, I apologize to anybody without that New York accent, but imagine you're on a bus in that fine. New Yorkers apologizing. I just want to point that out. <laughs> Go figure, right? Imagine you're on a bus and all of a sudden you hear a New York accent, some American accent right behind you. Now, what are you going to do naturally? You're going to look like, oh, who is that? And all of a sudden you're going to strike up this conversation with this person who probably if you were walking in the street of Manhattan, you would never even pay attention to that person. If he was but lying in a pool of blood, dying, you would step <laughs> over him. Well, yeah, that sounds like unfortunately. <laughs> right. But imagine all of a sudden you have this bond. All of a sudden you're connected to this guy. All of a sudden you want to go to lunch with this guy because all of a sudden you feel like I'm back home. I'm with somebody who gets me. That's the concept. When you get your core values correct of what does it mean to belong? What is the attitude of our company? What does it mean to have people like we want people with a good attitude? We In EOS, we learn to teach. What does it mean to have a good attitude? What are the three to seven characteristics that truly define the type of culture to have that good attitude. And there's no one right or wrong way for any company. It obviously comes from. Okay. This is what it means to operate on fire. It's easy to do a podcast. It's easy. It's very easy to do a podcast. It's like talking to a microphone that's on fire. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. So again, what I was trying to say is that when you create the core values of what it means to belong to your company, the right people are the ones who feel like I belong here. I, I enjoy being around these kind of people. We believe in the same thing and whatever those core values are. So very often people gloss right over this thing. They often will get somebody who's has a good resume, but not necessarily a good fit for the culture of the company. I think uh, it was Peter Drucker who said, culture eats strategy for breakfast every day. You need to build a culture where you surround yourself with the people who believe what you believe. So that's step number one. We have to really get the concept of right people. Then and only then, now we have to do the second thing, which is, are those people in the right seat? Now, most companies create what's called an organizational chart. When you have an org chart, what is it? It's a bunch of boxes. 
and lines that have a bunch of titles in it that really go nowhere. It's a bunch of senior vice president of this, senior vice president of that. If you go to corporate America, everybody's a vice president. You could be the, I'm the vice president of the parking lot. I'm the vice president of the hallway. You know, people, what happens when you have, when you get stuck in the world of titles, CEO, CFO, vice president, it becomes this kind of uh, corporation where people start to really get a sense of entitlement. I am a vice president. I deserve benefits. I deserve a raise. I deserve a parking spot. I deserve, they start having this feeling of, I deserve things. What we have in EOS is something much better than an organizational chart. It's what we'll call an accountability chart. An accountability mm -hmm. chart is similar, but much, much deeper. Instead of thinking, what title do I have? We look at it as what seat do I sit in? What function of the business do I sit in? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it clinical care? Is it operations? Is, you know, and I'm sure there are various, is it HR? There are all different kinds of seats, functions. Once we create this accountability chart, which kind of looks like an org chart on steroids, then we look at each box, whatever those are, HR, clinical care, operations, and we first figure out what are the five or six major roles that a person in that seat, that before I put them in that seat, that they are accountable for. Because very often people do this backwards. What they'll do is they'll bring in their cousin, their brother, their friend, or somebody who kind of walked in off the street, made a good impression on that first meeting. And mm -hmm. they say, oh, he seems to be a good fit. I kind of like his attitude and he, his resume looks good. And they often will take a person and then if that person doesn't fit the seat well or they can't do some of the roles that you want them to do, they'll be like, all right, let's just give that role to somebody else. They paint a seat around the person and that's just not ever going to work, ever. Mm -hmm. It's never going to work. We have to first create a structure. What are the seats that we need? What are the major roles? If you're in that seat, what am I accountable for? And by the way, people very often mix up these two words, accountability and responsibility. They're not the same. Accountability means if you put me in a seat, the business delegates certain roles to me that I'm supposed to be doing. It's my job to get us to the finish line of every single task, goal, accomplishment, whatever it is that they want me to do. I have to figure out how to get us into, let's call it getting us into the end zone. I'm the quarterback. I'm the pitcher. I got to win this game. Which means if somebody on my team drops the ball, I'm the one who has to be accountable, which means why did I not train my team? Why did I not help my team? Why did I not communicate with my team? And very often leaders and managers don't realize their first major role in those boxes that they're in mm -hmm. is what we'll call leadership and management. Your job is to lead people. Your job is to manage people. Imagine you have a sales guy who's going to say, you know, I'm so busy doing a million things. I have no time to do sales. Like Your whole job is sales. What do you mean you don't have no time? If you're in a job, you're in a seat and you are managing people, your job is to manage, which means your job is to communicate, to spend time with them, to make sure they have the resources, the time, the knowledge, the skills, helping them do what you do. That's what accountability is. That's one of the top levels of accountability. Whatever the other roles are, if you're HR, admin, whatever these other things are, you have to first know, what am I accountable for? When a person knows that they're in the right seat, it means they get it. They have a vision of what this seat requires. Some people's brains are not wired to do certain things, which is not a problem. It doesn't mean they're bad people. They're just not in the right seat. If you're in a seat called HR, you're in a seat called administrator, you have to be born to do that kind of stuff. You have a brain that functions in the concept of what does it mean to be? I get it. The second thing is you have to want it. Want it doesn't mean I want a job and it doesn't mean I want to make a paycheck. Wants it means you actually want to do this type of work. This type of work talks to you. You cannot pay 
beg, motivate, incentivize people to want to do things. If they don't really want to do this type of work, if it doesn't talk to them, they're not going to really do very well with it. They're going to try to do it. They'll wing it, but they're never going to really put their heart and soul into it. They're not going to be very vested in it. That's the second thing. They have to want it. And then C, GWC stands for, C stands for capacity. They have to have the skills, the knowledge, the time, emotional, physical, mental ability to deliver whatever the roles of that seed are. So I want to encourage people, when you bring people into your organization, whether they're union employees or not, step number one, do they fit our culture? Which means you have to ask yourself, what are our core values? What does it mean to fit in here? What does it mean to have a good attitude? That's number one. Number two, oh, they have a good resume? Hold on. What seat do I want to put them in? What are the, ma what are the major roles that a person in that seat should be accountable for? Then look at the person you have in mind and see, does that person get it? Does that person want it? Does that person have the capacity to do it? Then you have the right person in the right seat. Now, going back to the motivation inspiration, when you get the right people who are a good fit for your culture and they are in the right seat, and we could even come up with measurables, which is what does a good week for that person look like? How many of what? If you're an administrator, you're an HR, you're marketing, how many beds did I fill? How many rooms did I clean? From top to bottom, the whole chart, everybody in your home, everybody on your staff should have one or two measurables that say, what is a weekly good number for me? What is my number? How do I know I'm doing my job? When those people are in the right seats and they know, they could even self-manage because they know what their number is, very likely you're not going to have to motivate those people because they are already in a, in a surrounding environment, a country where they're very comfortable to be in. They feel it. They get along. The team that you surrounded them with have those same core values and they're in the right seat. They totally feel good. What you now need to do is inspire them with the vision of the company. Like I just said, the vision concept. When those people know, it's not just show up every day, do your job, do a good job, and I'll pay you. When you inspire as a leader and a manager and owner, you need to inspire your people and remind them every day why they show up. Not how they do what they do, not, why, not what they do. Why do they show up every day? What's the mission of this company? What's the reason this home exists? And I'm telling this to all the owners out there. It's more than just money. I know people want to make money. They want to make money. Money is a result of what we do. It's not why we do what we do. And I'll prove it to you. I often ask when we're, when we're coming up with what we'll call our, a core focus, every client I work with, we'll try to figure out what's the reason this company exists. And it applies to a nursing home just as much as any other company. People are like, what do you mean? We want to have a home. We want to make money. Or sometimes people will come up with the, you know, we want to save lives. But then you'll end up hearing people don't really believe in it. I often ask people just to show it's more than money. Remember prior to 9-11, you know, when we had the Twin Towers, I said, imagine I were to put a, you know, one of those strings across the two and a tightrope and ask people, I'll give you a million dollars. I'll ask you, Shmuel, if I gave you a million dollars, forget a million, if I gave you five million dollars to walk across that tightrope without, without a harness, five million dollars cash, would, would you go across? No harness. Certainly not. Okay. So it's, so for money, even for money, you wouldn't do it. But now, and this is a hypothetical, but I want to make my point. If I were to tell you, Shmuel, your children are on the other side of this building and they're in danger or God forbid, they really need you. Would you now climb out across that wire? Would you go and do something about it? Now, obviously you're going to be terrified. You're going to be scared to hell to go across, but I'm willing to bet if you knew that that was really true, God forbid, of course, you would do it. What's the reason? Because when you know your why, it was Frederick Nietzsche, and I, it feels funny to quote Frederick Nietzsche of all people, but he said, he who has a why can endure any how. When you know your why, when you know your mission, when you know what you truly believe in, not some, you know, concept that you don't really believe. When you really know what you believe in, what's the mission of this home, the mission of our company, what we believe in. Now, not everybody believes in that mission. That just means they're not a good fit for your organization. There are people who do believe what you believe. When you surround yourself with the people who know the mission of why we show up to work every day, 
then those people will figure out how to do it better. They will be inspired, not motivated. You don't have to motivate. If you find yourself trying to motivate people, it just means, A, you don't have a clear vision. You're not inspiring them with what it means to show up every day and where we're going. Get them excited. Or B, they don't have your company's core values. They're just not a good fit. Or C, they're not in the right seat. They're doing stuff that they're not really in touch with, and they don't feel very comfortable doing their job. EOS helps companies clarify what does it really mean to belong? What is our mission? What are our core values? What does it mean for a person to be in the right seat? And then with discipline, we get the right people in the right seats, measure weekly numbers to make sure they're doing the right stuff, and inspire them with the company's vision of where we're going and exactly how we're going to get there. When you do that, I don't care if it's a union employee or not, people are people. They just need something to believe in. It was Simon Sinek who said, when people invest money, they want to see a return. When people invest emotionally, they want to contribute. There's an emotional connection that everybody has to their job or to the home that they're working in. It's EOS is great at getting right to the heart and center of cutting out all the nonsense and getting right to the heart and center of what's the truth. What do we believe in over here? And thank God I was trained and certified in learning how to do and teach this to people that you end up surrounding yourself with those people, make it simple, and then you'll start to see how the company will thrive. But one more caveat, it has to start with an owner, administrator, leadership team that are willing to be open, honest, a little bit vulnerable and admit as good as we are, we need something better. We could do something better. If you're, if, and I've met such owners where you can't teach somebody something, somebody who knows everything already. If you're a close-minded person in any business and you already have all the answers, yet for some reason your company's still a bike on fire and you keep running, but you're just waiting for the right thing to fall in place, but it's not working. It could be EOS. It could be any system. You're not going to go very far because you're a little bit close-minded. This only works with people who are open-minded, vulnerable willing to be able to expose their strong points and their weak points and work together and build a healthy team so they could kind of gauge themselves well and build this system, build this operating system around them. What EOS ultimately is, it's really a system of how any company organizes its, its human energy. It's not a software. It's for the human beings of your company. It's how you meet, how you solve problems, how you plan, prioritize, create and follow processes, how you communicate, how you measure, how you structure all the different pieces in it. And EOS knows how to do it and make it really, really simple. So it's very easy to share with all those people. That was the short answer, by the way. <laughs> okay. So first of all, fan freaking tastic. I, I, I think I've been podcasting now for a number of years. I've never had um, a simple question, get the full presentation from beginning to end in a systemic orderly fashion, going from point to point and beautifully tying it all together. So I mean, that's an amazing, clear overview of how having such a system in place and how it can really change the complete environment in a nursing home. Correct. Okay, I'm not letting you off the hook so easy, though. So my question to you is, I've read a lot of the books that you've mentioned. A lot of other people have as well. And I've, as a nursing home administrator, I have tried and maybe partially successfully implemented some of these things, certainly not to the level and to the, with the detail that you know, that you just shared. My, my real question is, let's take nursing homes. It really, like you said, this could really apply to any business. But let's take nursing homes sure. first. You know, start with there. The okay. truth is, right, and we're being open here. So the truth is the reason why people own nursing homes, whether they're for-profit or they're not-for-profit, what they say is that we want to care for the most vulnerable. You want to provide for them with dignity. We want to care for them. We love them. They don't have families. We're going to be their families. A lot of lip service, which is not true. It is not true. And, and you can prove it a million different ways. But the bottom line is 
many people they're going into this because they want to make money like every business amazon is didn't open up to, and to say how can we ensure that people are going to have a more convenient shopping experience and they're going to be able to instantly know exactly the right product get it to their house without leaving their couch without barely leaving their facebook feed and they'll have the thing in their house before they even remember why they ordered it so and they're obviously phenomenally successful i don't know if they're successful by your terms of success but they're certainly financially successful. So my question is, and I'll add to that, there's a lot of companies, including healthcare systems, that if you walk into their main lobby or their corporate headquarters or wherever it is, there's a big plaque with their mission statement on it. And it says, our mission is to provide care and a happy, healthy work environment for blah, 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 garbage, 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 right? All sorts of stuff. You ask anybody, besides the fact that they don't know what it, what it says, certainly don't know what it means because it's just a bunch of fluff that they paid a marketing company to do for them or a branding or whoever it was, but it's it's a bunch of fluff. So they understand that there should be such a thing for them to stand for, but they don't. And I'm going to add to that one more point is it's very difficult to create a vision around a business that exists everywhere. It's not like they decided and created an industry or they decided and they create, we're going to have nursing homes. Nursing, they may not know why nursing homes, how they came to exist. They may not know that a hundred years ago that there weren't nursing homes around. And they just know that this is the way, this is a business. It works. These are the challenges. I kind of know how to do this. It's operations. I could, I, I know operations pretty much. And maybe that might be the one core which might fit with what you've said because they know how to use their you know, street skills or whatever. I'm talking about from an administrator, operator standpoint, but this applies to nurses and aides as well. Right? A typical aide, my friend is an aide in the nursing home down the block. The local, there's three local nursing homes. I interviewed by all three. This one pays the best. This one has the most flexibility. And two of my friends work there. They said it's okay. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to get whatever, whatever I get, try to get some overtime, try not to work too hard. And that's it. And they move on. So the question, my, the real question, I'm asking a few specifics, but the real overarching question that I'm asking is, how do you take what you've said, which sounds great, um, and it sounds amazing in theory, and apply it to something which is so not unique, which is something so not exciting necessarily, and something so, it's so prevalent, it exists everywhere, and say, oh, the nursing home down the block, they're just a nursing home. We're a home that we are inspired to provide Blah blah blah. So how, how do you how do you actually take what you're saying, which in logic makes sense, and I know that this is what you do. You implement this. That's the definition of of what you are, and obviously this fits with who you are. And how do you bridge the gap? And I'm not asking how you do this professionally. And let, let's leave Tzvi Schwartz and EOS out of the question for a minute. But let's say someone's listening right now, and he's a nursing home administrator, and he's challenged. There's a reason why there's union in the begin in the building to begin with. Obviously, there were some systemic issues that the staff didn't feel represented and the unit was able to prey on them and to show them that they're the solution, which they're not. But that's a different conversation. So the, the real question is, what can you tell somebody right now who's listening, who's struggling with the people problem? He has the people resource, but also with the people problem. And they're thinking, yeah, that sounds amazing. I've also watched Simon Sinek's TED Talk and send your why and... A lot of things you said are really, really powerful, and we probably can have a 10-minute conversation about each point that you said, which is why it was so frustrating for me to listen and why you have to get some stuff out of it right now. But the point is that how do you bridge the gap between what you said and what the uncool world of a, a real nursing home looks like right now? 
It's a really, really great question. And I'm asked this question often, actually. So before I give my own two cents, we'll call it, let me first mm -hmm. explain one thing. As an EOS implementer, and again, I know you said putting it outside of the world of EOS, but I want to first make something clarified. Sure. As an EOS implementer, and, and if you meet any other EOS implementers, you'll know that we are not consultants. In a sense, my job is not to come in and give you a reason why you should be inspired to do your own thing. My job is to facilitate and teach the tools of what EOS is and kind of help you draw it out of your own head and your own team's head of what does it mean for us? Because the answer is there really is no one right answer. There's no one size fits all. So let's first make sure I'm not going to try to give a list of 10 reasons why a nursing home owner should or shouldn't have a real mission versus the fake one that's on the wall. I, I can't possibly give one size fits all answer that fits everybody. That being said, let's first understand there's a difference between two things. What the marketing, which is external, which means who are the clientele we want to attract? What is the message that we send to the world outside of our staff? That's one piece of building a vision, which is what we'll call a marketing strategy, which means realistically, who is our target market and what is our message to those people? That's literally called marketing. Mm -hmm. And there's a way that we do that. A core focus, which is what I kind of touched on before, this is something internal. It's not something that necessarily, I mean, yeah, you could put it on the wall and broadcast it to everybody, but it's really meant to talk to the people who work there and not necessarily the people in the rooms or their families or anybody else. Let's okay. first get into two separate things. Now, a core focus is made up of two pieces. The first piece is what we'll call your purpose or a cause or a passion that you have. And the second okay. part of it is your niche, what you do really well. The first is your why, and the second is your what. Those two things combined become your company's core focus. Now, I'm going to give you an example from a recent client session that I have with a, co a company that they do, they sell insurance. And they asked me the exact same question. They said, okay. we, we could claim that we're doing insurance because we want to help people and this and that. But like you said, it was all blah, blah, blah nonsense. We don't really believe it. Like, who are we kidding? We're going to claim that? We can't really mm -hmm. say that. Every company has something different. Either there's a real purpose that they're serving, a better reason, a better way to do something, a cause, some cause to save the world from, you know, hunger, you know, Miss America pageant style, or sometimes it's just a passion, which means the reason we show up every day is that we as a group, the people who work here, we're just very passionate about a certain thing. And this particular insurance company, after we dug deeper into while we were doing our session and our process, mm -hmm. they came up with something very interesting. The truth below the surface of all the people from the owner, his leadership team, and the people who work with him, and I, I, mean, I hope I'm paraphrasing it well enough, is they, they love the chase in their industry. They love the chase of finding a great deal and beating out the other company of, you know, the reason that they want to, you know, make a better deal. You know, they, they just love the the... the the chase of a great deal, you know, and, and finding a way to take it to the finish line and win. Now that has nothing to do with insurance there. How do they do that? Which means whether, again, whether they owned a laundromat, a pizza shop or an insurance agency, the people that work here are passionate about finding a great deal and, and, and beating out the competition and then ultimately taking it to the finish line. The niche, how do they do it? They do it through insurance which means they realize that it's a passion. They surrounded themselves with people who are passionate about that. It has nothing to do with insurance. And then ultimately they show up every day. Now they promote that internally, like the people who work here are the people who are that type of driven. And now they start to feed off that energy 
through insurance. Now, if one day the world doesn't need insurance, those same people, like I said, they'll open a laundry man. They're going to have a crazy case of what's the best way to do laundry or the best machine that we could sell or something. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. And I'm willing to bet in every industry, same thing in the nursing home industry. The trick is either it's a real purpose that they truly do believe in, or maybe it's just something that's there's a real passion about the people who work there that when you surround yourself with the people who are passionate about the same stuff. And my job as an implementer is to lead you to that point of what really is your passion your niche is, okay, we do it through a nursing home, we do it through assisted living, we do it through home care, whatever that might look like, but it, it shouldn't be. Think of it like, we'll talk about people who are Hatsala members, right? Or, you know, EMS. Some of them, and I give them credit, some of them truly, truly do believe in saving lives. I have friends that are really, really genuine in that way. And some of them just love lights and sirens. Now, I'm not saying we're going to promote, if you get to Khan Hatsala, you're going to put on lights and sirens. The point is, you're right. We have to just, just let me just kind of for a minute. For those who are not familiar with what Hatzalah is, yes. Hatzalah is a Jewish volunteer organization with basically phenomenal response time in the New York, New Jersey areas and other areas as well. And what you're pointing out is that not everyone's joining for the mission, so to speak. There's some people, they like to license sirens, and some people, it's probably a blend. You know, I'm sure there's a spectrum. Exactly. And the thing is, when you have a passion or a purpose that you truly do believe in, and again, it has nothing to do with the nursing home. It's something that you as a human being are attracted to, that you feel, and you surround yourself with people who just, I'll give you another example. I have a client that's, again, and I'm purposely giving you outside clients. Hold on, hold on. before you give another example, I, th I think there's something that has to be said. Okay. I'm sorry for jumping in. Uh, I think a big mistake, based on what you said, just a little light bulb moment right now for me, a big mistake that people make when they try to do mission statements and they try to, they try to do all the stuff that you're saying is that their assumption is that that mission statement has to be something that sounds morally amazing. It sounds like this is like for the betterment of society. That's the point. That's marketing. That's not a core focus. That's my point. But we think, let's say I have a nursing home and I want to get my staff all riled up. So my assumption A is that they care about the residents, which it's possible they do. Some of them may just like them. You know, this might be their version of lights and sirens, whatever is going on in nursing home. That's why they choose it. Some people may be in it because, you know, they believe in helping those who can't help themselves. And there's probably a spectrum. But whatever it is from the leadership side, and this is not limited to nursing homes. You don't have to agree. But I'm just thinking now, based on what you said, what I see all over the place, the reason why people barf over these garbage fake mission statements from huge organizations is that they're meaningless. And the reason why they're meaningless is because they're forcing themselves to stand behind something they never believed in because they can't have our mission statement is to make a lot of money so we could buy uh, fancy cars and, you know, and buy private islands so we could hold parties during Corona, whatever, right? Because that's not, that's not acceptable. We can't say that. So that, so we're going to, instead, we're going to say something we don't mean and we'll try hard and we'll hire other people outside, you know, consultants very expensive, and they're going to help us try to make believe that we believe in this. And no wonder that the employees who see through it, just like kids, will see through, you know, things that are inconsistent with their parents. Employees will see through inconsistencies. Yeah, you really saying that, really? Well, then how come this and how come that? And it, it's it's instead of you know, here an example. They say the same thing with marketing. That when and a lot of people are trying to find the wrong prospect and convince them to buy their product. It's Correct. a very frustrating experience where even if you're a great salesperson and you bring in the sale and you close it, they're never, they probably won't last very long. And if they do, they're going to be a headache because they're not the right people. But there are plenty of people who exist already out there that with zero work and they're looking for your service, your product right now. 
and your job is just to find them and to bring them in and, and they'll be happy so i think that that's a great example of this misnomer and i'm included in the people who have this misnomer as to we're thinking we have to take a mission statement and try and sell it to ourselves and then sell it to everybody else and you're saying no it's okay to come out and say that what gets us exciting is the thrill of taking a struggling business any business and that was mismanaged organizing it so that it runs and it accomplishes whatever the business is supposed to accomplish not because we care but you could you could say i don't really care maybe I, of course i care about seniors a little bit but that's not what's driving me what's really driving i'm not saying me per se but i'm saying in general if you are someone who is getting involved in this business on any level it's okay to believe in what you really believe and to create a mission statement around that and if you do and if you're an owner, I had somebody who I heard once explain to his staff that in our facility, the staff, the most important thing in the facility is the staff. The residents are number two. And I was like, oh, how could you say that? Because we're programmed in this industry that residents are number one. He said, it's very simple. If you guys are number one, the residents are also going to be number one. And he said, but our core focus as a company is you. Now, the problem is if that's lip service, then you don't have one or two. But I'm just uh, for me, I think that's that's the biggest novelty of what you're sharing right now is that you don't don't force yourself into something you don't believe in. It's an exploration. It's not an education. I, I want to take it even one step further because it really circles back to the people thing we spoke about. Mm -hmm. Let's talk honestly. What happens when you communicate this BS message like you just kind of said to your people claim we're believing this. But you show up in the Mercedes every day and they're like, they don't believe you when they don't believe what you're saying because they know that you're full of it. They're not going to believe anything you say from that point on, which means there's a massive disconnect. Patrick Lencioni and the five dysfunctions of a team talks deeply about that concept. It all starts with the level of trust. Trust is, like I said before, vulnerability. Vulnerability means your ability to be honest and open and truthful and admit, instead of trying to put up a facade, be your genuine self and people will learn to trust you more. Because when they do that, when you are vulnerable and open and honest in a sense of what we really do believe in, people will have a stronger level of commitment because they're going to believe you. They'll even be mm -hmm. able to pick up more. They'll feel a deeper connection. They'll even become more accountable and the results will definitely flow. If you communicate the wrong core values, like we claim that we are these things, but you're really not. Or you claim this is our mission, but it's really not. They're not going to believe anything you're saying. And if you do that, think of Enron. Remember Enron before they fell? Literally carved in stone. Literally, as they say, carved in stone in their lobby with their core values, honesty, integrity. And everybody knew it's not true. It's they're all they all they're a bunch of crooks. And but but here's the thing: people are like, so what's the big deal if I don't have core values or I get it wrong or I have my mission wrong? It's that's awesome, by the way. Detrimental, extremely detrimental to have the wrong core values and the wrong core focus because now you're telling a mission to your team that either a you don't believe in, so they don't believe you, or b they think you're saying one thing, but they know you mean something else. And now they don't trust you on anything. So the truth is you got to get right to the center and heart of what really it is. Now, keep in mind, I'm not against making money. I want to make money. You want to make money. We should all make money. And I hope we all do a ton of it. God willing. Money is the stuff that goes into the car, the gas that goes into the car that leads to the mission you want to go to. The more money you make, the more you could perpetuate the mission. There's nothing wrong with making money. I'm not against it. You need to, but it's not the reason. It's the result of what you're doing. So you could really be honest, build a better business, whatever it might be. Think of Nike, right? When you think of Nike, what's it like? Yeah, Simon Sinek talks about it. But it's such a great example. The mission is that, you know, Nike's a shoe. It's something you could put on your foot 
that, you know, instead of when you walk outside, you'll either play better basketball or at least at the very least you won't cut your foot on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. When you think of Nike, they don't talk about how aerosols are or how great their, you know, their, their laces are. When you think Nike, you think Michael Jordan, LeBron James. It's something more. It's something that they're passionate about, something that they believe in. Whatever your passion is, it doesn't have to be as great as, you know, something cool like Nike. It could be something like, you know, the Chase, or it could be like, I have a low voltage company that I work with. Their passion, their core focus, these are the guys who love to take apart their father's radio when they were five years old, you know, and play with little wires. They just, they're very passionate about breaking down something into the little wires and coming up with something better. Their company's focus is they surround themselves with people who are also passionate about that kind of stuff. It's not a Miss America pageant, save the world kind of stuff, but it doesn't have to be. And now they attract the right people who share that passion and the people who have those values. And now they're a great team. Now they're people, they're all communicating and now they're able to use the rest of the system and have great goals and communicate and really take it to a new level because they're speaking the truth. Well, another, I mean, another light bulb moment uh, right now is that this core value vision, whatever it is, this does like you mentioned this in passing before, but now I understand what you meant. This is not a message to, to communicate to your clients or to your no, customers. There's nothing, there's nothing to do with that. You know, that's maybe what Enron was in, you know, intending to do is right. that invest with us because we're honest people. This is not something that the marketing team needs to know about at all, necessarily. This is something with who are the people that work in this company. So if you take that to a nursing home standpoint, the reason why nursing homes try and healthcare companies try to create a mission statement that has to do with providing care is because that's what they think they need to do. And they need to, and, and this is a customer focused and maybe there is, there is something they need to say, and maybe there is a need for such a statement to them, but that has nothing to do with what we're discussing here. When you're talking about the vision for the company, and when I even talk about what you tell the investors as to why they'll make more money, you want to know who are the people that are going to work in this company? What do we have in common? And it does not need to be the, the esoteric, morally upstanding you know, fixing the world, the world type of, you know, type of statement. It could be something as simple as we love tinkering with old cars. Exactly. We, we, are, we love new technology. We love the we love the latest social media trends. We love news. Uh, you know, we're, we are always news junkies. We're, we're very opinionated people. We love debating issues. We love, uh, you know, we love working through complex coding or whatever it is, you know, something that's really complex. We love identifying problems and whatever it is, it can be anything. And it's okay then to attract those types of people. But you definitely need both. That's my point. Part of building a vision is answering eight questions. That's all it takes. Who, who belongs, core values and the core focus. Where are we going, which is in five, 10 years, where are we gonna be? And then having a marketing strategy, which is the fourth question of vision, that's customer centric. You need right. both. One is right. definitely, I mean, think of it this way. You know, I heard a great example recently where, you know, back in the day before there were airplanes and cars, there were railroads. Now the owners of those railroads, their focus was railroads, right? And they were very wealthy and they put all their energy into railroads, but they got their, let's call it their core focus wrong. If they would have realized that it's not about railroads, that's a niche, that's what we do, why we do it. If they would have focused on the why, which was really just, we love finding a way to transport people, you know, comfortably. Those owners of the railroads who all went out of business would have eventually become the owners of all the airlines, just like Blockbuster Video and Netflix, same thing. They focused on the wrong stuff. When you focus on the wrong stuff, the what, which is, you know, and, or something that's not real or not mm -hmm. tangible, then it, it, it will eventually fail, it will sink, it will go away. When you get to the real truth, the vulnerable, honest truth, and surround yourself with those people on the bigger idea, the real why, yeah, your niche could change. Today it's a nursing home, it's assisted living, it could be something else, but your why never changes. That real truth, 
communicated, be honest and open, you're going to attract more people and you'll inspire better people. Wow. I mean, and, and you see this, uh, you know, during COVID, unfortunately, many businesses closed and, but there are, there are a lot of businesses that successfully pivoted to something else. And though those who are successful, many of them with maybe with or without such a system, but they were consciously or not, they were taking who they are as people or who they are as a business and saying, okay, we have this unique ability to do X and or to act in this type of way and work together. These types of problems, our old solution is no longer relevant or no longer practical. Let's see how yeah. we can pivot. But I want to move back to nursing homes for a minute, if, if sure. you don't mind. And you'll let me know if you have a hard stop because we're way past where we... I'm good. I, I still have a few more minutes here. Okay. Yeah, you have a few more minutes. Okay, so let's just bring this back boots on the ground, the bike on fire, on the building that's on fire, into the nursing home. So let's start from the very top. So you have an owner, right? So this could, or an investor. So they're going to go and they're going to buy a nursing home or a portfolio. And now they own these nursing homes. They never really cared about healthcare. They, they, their decision many times will be based on a spreadsheet. They could have been looking at 10 different spreadsheets, 10 different verticals, No, not, not related. They were going to do a tech company, they were going to do a healthcare company, a construction company. It could have been a lot of different things. They chose this because it made sense financially. Yes. Maybe let, let's let's take their core value and just for an example, which you mentioned earlier, and they love chasing the deal. They love finding the deal. That's what's exciting for them. Now they have to hire a director of operations who was not involved in that original thing. So they're going to try to find someone. And so as my, my question is, I understand where it is on that level. How does that get all the way down to the aide who's providing care and bringing in the lunch tray to the resident. They have, they're not chasing any deals. They, they live paycheck to paycheck and they don't want to ever change from there. So how does that trickle all the way down? So you, it's a great question because it does need to trickle down. This core focus has to apply from the top to the bottom. So again, there is no one right answer because every corporation is going to be uniquely different. Maybe we're just wording it wrong. Maybe it's the chase of the deal, like you said, but maybe if we worded it differently, imagine everybody at their level Whatever deal they're chasing, it might not be a financial deal, but it's a concept that people who would chase a deal are looking for what? A great opportunity to cap. Okay. I, I knew it was a good question, but I didn't know it was that good of a question that we lost speed for that question. Okay. Um, we're back. Okay. Go ahead. So the point is maybe it's just a matter of wording it differently. Imagine at the very top, it's something this owner wants to capitalize on, you know, whatever his passion is finding an opportunity and and making it the best of something like that. Again, I, I can't find the right wording because we're kind of throwing it together at the last second. Everybody on their level, even a staff and an aide and a person who cleans their room, if they surround themselves with people who have a certain value of, you know, achieving growth, doing something with a, a greater ability to, you know, whatever it is you do to exceed expectations. Let's call it exceeding expectations. Uh, we're all about exceeding expectations. Now, the owner does it through his financial investment. The aide does it through his ability of whatever his, you know. I have a good example for you. And I, this sure. is coming together in my brain right now. A good example is, and this happened to me once, we had a building that we had two elevators. They both broke at the same time. There's no way to bring the food from the dining room up to where the residents are. And the, and the only way to do it is we, you have to make chains and people passing trays up and down. Crisis, when crisis hits. So from the owner's standpoint, they know how to milk every opportunity. They see that there's a crisis. There might be a group or portfolio of homes that are going out of business. They're struggling from an acute challenge, which they are unable to solve. And they're going to come in maybe with a financial structure that makes sense for them, minimizing the risk, getting the right people in place with the right connections in order for them to be able to be successful in that environment. And that might be their why. 
they're how right now, like you said, they're what right now. And I'm sorry they're for niche. using the yeah, terms, they're niche. They're niche. Yeah, I'm sure I'm saying all the wrong words. But the point is the way they're doing it today is through this nursing home. Yesterday was real estate and tomorrow is going to be politics. I don't Correct. know, anything. Niche could change, but the why stays the same. Right. But but now, if that successfully trickles all the way down, they're, they're looking how to maximize the potential of, of their goals when, thing, when, when they're faced with a difficult odds. So when you have both elevators are down and we have a responsibility to add to it that the Department of Public Health is in the building during their annual survey and the feds are there, you know, surveying them, which is like the most stressful situation you could have. Right. But they're going to figure out a way to do this in a calm way and they're going to work with our friends. There's no way to implement or it's difficult to implement a preordained, you know, system for this. Of course, there's officially there's manuals and all that. But the bottom line is, if they're not, if the staff themselves don't want to make it work, and not just that, if they don't get the thrill of in, yeah. enjoying it, and, and, and this process is not, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get out of here. Of course, they wouldn't choose to have the crisis, but they thrive in the crisis, and they grow together, they grow closer together. And you can see some people step up to the plate. I can think of 100 examples. Any administrator, anyone in the industry can think of 100 examples of where everything went wrong. And some people were able to really step up, some people weren't. But that would be a way that it could trickle down. Of course, the aid is not looking to buy a nursing home. And of course, one is buying the nursing home will never pass a trade possibly to a resident. And maybe you shouldn't. Each one is doing what they're good at. Correct. But there is a vision with people who are completely different, different cultures, different parts of the world, completely different lives. But there is something they can stand behind. And that's something that they see. And now when that CEO meets with his team when he comes once every three months and he comes and meets all the whole staff and he's giving them an update of where the company is up to. And he doesn't say we are here. And the reason why I bought a nursing home is because I love old people. And he says instead, the reason why I bought it, I'm a businessman and I invest in a lot of different businesses. I see this as an opportunity for growth and I, and we're going to do this in a way that makes a lot of business sense and whatever. And he goes through the whole thing and that's like, okay, this guy's real. He's speaking his mind. He's not saying any BS. He's saying it the way it is. I get, I get that. I get this guy. The fact that he pulls out in a fancy car is not a, is not a contradiction to what he said. Correct. That, that's something else. Do you know that this, he applied the same thing when he went to purchase that car? He, I'm Correct. not going to walk into the dealership and pay a sticker price. Not me. <laughs> I exactly. went into this place. I checked online. I have a friend who has a friend. And that's how he does everything. And that's how he chooses his directions. He's not a wise right. guy. He's going to wing it. And... You know, that's how he chooses his airlines. That's how he chooses his marriage partners and the community he lives in. It's that's who he is as a person. And the, you don't have to become him, but there has to be some sort of that core value has to be transferred and translated into this particular application. And it's like that with all his staff. Those same people, the way they live their life outside of work is very much the same way they live their life inside of work. The trick is when you have this EOS program, you can start to think and figure out what are those values, what is our focus, and then align yourself with those people. And then through the rest of the process, there are specific meetings where they, those people have a voice, they can bring up issues, you're not, they're not afraid to speak up, there's a way for them to work as a team. There's, there's a lot more to this puzzle. This is just the tip of the ice. In order to enable those people to speak up and be a part of a team, when they start to feel like they're in alignment with that, they start to feel like what I am doing, I'm surrounding myself with people I love to be with and do what I love to do, and I'm given the freedom to be true in that sense in a very healthy way, like a magnet. It's going to attract more people to the company who also think and feel that way, and it's going to repel all the wrong people. The wrong people are going to start to feel like, I, I don't like this environment. I don't like what's mm -hmm. going on. I don't fit, almost like, like I said in the beginning, when you go to another country, you feel like, 
I'm not comfortable here. I don't speak the language. I don't get the people. These are not my customs. And they're going to want to fire themselves. They're going to feel like I don't belong here because you create a real culture, a real culture, not a fake one, through some of this, which is just the beginning of it, and then share that vision and give them the right tools and pieces of this, how to have the right process, how to have the right meaning, how to set the right goals. And yeah, hold them accountable, push them, make them like, again, exceed those expectations. But you created a team of people who think like-minded. Now, all of a sudden, you have a very, very different operation going on. It's very different. It's about, I want to understand one thing. It's a very patient process. This is not something you go to a seminar, you go for a day, you learn something, you read a book, and now you're done. EOS is a very patient process. It, it, it's There's nothing... It's simple in a sense, but it's hard because it takes a certain mindset and growth very patiently over time to implement properly and then align everybody top to bottom in the team. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you don't start, you know, if you're waiting for the right moment to happen, the right moment never, ever comes along. It has to be an intentional, deliberate choice. We're going to do things differently. We're going to think differently. We're going to be a little bit open-minded and we're going to try something. And then, yes, ultimately, you'll hit a home run every time, but let's make it real for you. It's not one size fits all. Let's get it right. Whatever right to you really is. Well, phenomenal, phenomenal. So if someone's going to take, I mean, there's so much that you offered here just in this conversation that people can take with and start running and trying some bits and pieces out in their organization, whether it's a nursing home, assisted living, a senior care facility, or really any business at all. But obviously to do this correctly, it's important to have someone like yourself who is an EOS implementer yes. to do this correctly. So if somebody wants to continue this conversation with you and to see how this might be a fit for their organization, where's the best place to send them? Great question. So I want to actually say two things. One, because one of my core values is help first. Even if they even if they don't need me or they're not ready for a guy like me in EOS, I want to recommend there's a great book that everybody should read called Traction written by Gino Wickman, the guy who created the EOS system, who's a brilliant, brilliant person. Easy read, wonderful read. It's going to really talk to you. Again, it's called Traction by Gino Wickman. You can find it on Amazon or anywhere. That's number one. Right, we'll link up to it. want to find me. They want to just continue this conversation because there's a lot more that I could share, God willing. The best way is probably to just either go to LinkedIn and you can find my profile, send me an instant message, direct message, and, and I will I get back to everybody pretty quickly. And again, you can just search my name, search EOS in my name. I'm sure you'll find it. You could always send me an email, which is my first name, T-Z-V-I, at mythriveability.com, spelled M-T-H-R-I-V-E, ability, A-B-I-L-I-T-Y, mythriveability.com, and I'll be sure to get back to you that way. I'm even, I'm not afraid, I'll throw my cell phone number out there. You can reach me on my cell, 917-538-8676. I'm not afraid, I'm here to help people. If I could be of any help, please, by all means, reach out, and I'll be happy to do that. And I want to do one more thing, but a quick little shout out. David Weiss, he's the one who connected you and I, and he's also very, very much grounded in, in the nursing home world from an uh, operations standpoint, who is a dear friend, a great person, a great, you know, for, for many, many, he's helped a lot of people. Past he, guest on the Nursing Home Podcast. No, no doubt. He's the one who connected us. I want to thank him publicly for helping me in many areas and helping me connect with you and obviously wishing him and, and his family the best also. Okay, amazing, amazing. So again, so it's my thriveability. Com. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't think of one second of this conversation that should not have taken place. Even you coming and going just made a little bit yeah, more sense. Thank amazing. you. Thank you for coming on. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. 
So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.